When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Des Bishop Podcast. And I promise you that we will get back to just like some normal, lighthearted, fun pods ASAP. In fact, I'm going to pressurize Steve to do me and him together this weekend. So let's just consider this another bonus app because I know the last couple of apps have been pretty intense. And I was really looking forward to moving on from the intensity. And then this report about the mother and baby homes came out and it just... I've spent the last 24 hours going through the most intense shit. And to our non-Irish listeners, you know, I really recommend Googling, following Dr. Mavo Rourke on Twitter, uh, you know, looking up who Catherine Corliss is, uh, and just, just delving into the history of how this report came about it would be too much for me to get into uh about the history of all this i'm not even i'm not uh qualified to give the history because even from reading this report i realized that there's a difference between the magnet laundries and the mother and baby homes and the county homes and i've just been learning for 24 hours and i highly encourage anyone who's not familiar with what's going on to learn a bit about it because it's an integral part of the Irish story, particularly the Irish story since independence. And it's just more evidence of the damage that the Catholic church predominantly, not just the Catholic church, but predominantly the Catholic church and their obsession with sex, their misogyny, the, the wheat and how they, made sure that women remained in a weak position in Ireland. The list goes on and on on how you need to understand this to understand Ireland in a way, I guess, to celebrate how far Ireland has come, but there's nothing to celebrate in this. Uh, it's it's sad. And your your emotions will range from, you know, incomprehension, to sadness, to outrage, and 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 back again, and 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 everything else in between, because it's almost too much to take in. But what's so fucking? I mean, who am I? I'm just a 45 year old man. I spent the first 14 years of my life in New York. I spent the majority of years after that in Ireland. But this is not just this is this isn't just the story of the island of Ireland. This is a story of how pervasive this abuse was, this mistreatment of women. Obviously, there's a broader story of the mistreatment of a greater percentage of the Irish population from other institutions, but we can't get bogged down in that. You know, and this is 
this has nothing to do with me. I am going to tell you a story of of my lineage to to this and and the questions that that come from it. When when you when you when you start to examine all this, you'll see. Uh, you know, that there's stuff in this report about people having access to their birth certificates, to basically finding out who they are. I mean, if you, if you, the more you get into Twitter, you'll see this incredible story of one woman. She finally is reunited with her son after 50 years. I think maybe was this the story that, that Mary Lou told? I, you know, I'm just, I'm bogged down with information, but this one story stuck out with me because when she finally met her son after 50 years, his first question was, how actually old am I? You know, there's just thousands upon thousands of people completely cut off from who they are, you know, and actually, you know, let me, let me, the, the, the thing that I found most poignant, well, that's, 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 that's diminishing the seriousness of it. I, I, I retweeted this, this, this poem that somebody had put up, uh, because I, I just found it so powerful. And sometimes, it, sometimes it's the simplicity of language that can best help you to understand something but uh this is a a poem by mary call it's called laundry my grandfather sent everything to the nuns for a thorough cleaning including my mother fervently they washed away every stain hold us up to the light and there is hardly a trace of me left in her or left in me things are forever getting separated in the wash a fawn silk stocking, a tiny pink sock with no matcher, the price to be paid for getting your laundry done. That was from a poem from, it says her recent collection. I actually don't know. This is just a screenshot from what looks like the Irish Times magazine or possibly from the culture section. Uh, It's from her recent collection, Silver, published by Arlen House. Her first collection was All Things Considered published by salmon but it, it it is this report is once again the reminder of the damage the wreckage to irish women first and foremost and and the greater repercussion and their their children uh and the, just the greater repercussions of that shame that was all too pervasive in irish society with all too much power and you know i i didn't even it, it's not even important, but obviously the hypocrisy of the episode we had only a week and a half ago where Bishop Eamon Martin is complaining about this innocuous fucking satirical thing on New Year's Eve by Waterford Whispers. And now a week and a half later, he's apologizing for this Bishop Eamon Martin. These are the things that really matter. The cheek of the church. They've never owned up properly. I mean, even this apology, the apology from the Bishop of Cork, it really, the apology from the Bishop of the Cork for me really leans heavily on the fact that the the commit, the, the report puts too much blame on Irish society. Of course, that should be like, and by the way, Irish society holds some responsibility too because they helped to uh, implement this culture of shame and secrecy. And 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 treated these women with such disdain that that you know that allowed this to continue, right? That's like a. By the way, let's not let's not fucking pretend who really had the power, the church and the state. But I see that the bishops, the bishop of Cork's apology is very much like we're sorry that we we added to this atmosphere. Whereas you know the the deeper you get into that, you can you can literally see 
a, a period of time in the, in the history of Bessemer House where the Bishop of Cork at the time. I don't have the names in front of me, but this was, I just been like fucking going through this shit all day. But the Bishop of Cork at the time stopped them removing the Mother Superior despite the incredible percentage of children that were dying in Bezaborough House. I mean, it's, it's, it's insane the connection between church and state and how much, uh, they, they were the the health service was connected to the like it, it's insane and I, I understand over the years over the decades of paying attention to this shit that people say well the the church stepped into the education system they stepped into the health service you know who else was gonna do it it's like well it was up to the state to fucking separate those things and create that thing the church wanted that power and 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 they 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 wielded that power quite intensely. I mean, it, it it requires a certain awareness of Irish history, which I think most of you will have. I don't want to sound condescending, but you will know how how integral and and still to this day. The funny thing is that when you what you what I saw a week and a half ago, and the only reason I'm bringing this up is that you know people complain to me about that episode about uh, Waterford Whispers, and they never own up to who they are. They never own up to the fact that they're very religious, that they're conservative Catholics. So they try to pretend like the problem wasn't, uh, you know, I, you know, the problem wasn't that uh, it was, uh, you know, uh, uh, saying God is a rapist. Uh, the problem was the time that it was on TV. You know, they won't just fucking admit it. You're offended because you're a conservative Catholic and that's fine. But calling a fucking fictional character a fucking rapist is not the worst thing in the world to say. I understand that you don't think it's a fictional character, but in real fucking history, in the last century and a half, the institution that you're fucking right behind, the institution that employs Bishop Eamon Martin, has done untold dis- uh, crimes. Un- like, uh, like it, uh, unspeakable, I should say. Not untold. Unspeakable things. And never truly owned up to it. And they only own up to it when they're forced so deep into a corner. They had report after report how much investigation ha- and, and public outrage has to come before they give a fucking inch. How much has to come before they say anything? And let's face it, most of this wouldn't come out except Catherine Corliss, uh, literally just an interested woman, a local historian funded by herself dug deeper and deeper and deeper into these secrets which led to a chain of events and it just goes to show sometimes that sometimes it takes just one person to light a fire i know that she ended up getting supported by a lot of other people and i'm sure i'm ignorant to other important people but if you want to know about the people that are behind this i recommend following dr mave o'rourke and then follow all the people that she mentions uh, because there's been a lot of work done on this over a long period of time. And I, you know, I'm, I have to say, I, I'm grateful to them for being able to understand this on a deeper level. I take their lead on the disappointment. I think the general consensus that I can see is that the apology from the state is welcomed the report is disappointing but all this can be all any uh, frustration and disappointment it seems to be, could be undone by actual action because there's been numerous apologies by the state after you know pick your fucking report the ferns report the ryan report the murphy report pick your fucking poison 
but there's always disappointing action afterwards. And finally, and I really recommend, is it Catherine Conley? I, I, I also uh, tweeted this. If you want to just kind of have a quick understanding, the lazy man's, that's a, Catherine Conley's speech in the doll today. Uh, you'll find it quickly on YouTube. I actually tweeted it on my Twitter if you want to find it. She can give you a nice quick synopsis of her disappointment with the report, but her hope that uh, her disappointment could be, could, be, could be rectified by action by the state. And again, I, I recommend that you all dig into it on what action needs to be taken. And then obviously you find a way to get behind that, get behind the energy that makes that action happen. You know, and sometimes it can, you can feel quite powerless. I didn't even know if I should say anything about this, but the more I read, the more I thought, I just want to express how I feel about it. I'm just another guy with a, with a, with a, uh, I, I, I feel that in some way, so many of us are connected to the lineage, lineage of this bullshit. You know, and I, I've seen a lot of that shame disappear. I mean, there's there's positive stories. You know, I remember moving down in 1990 and my friend's sister had a kid out of wedlock and it was such a fucking shameful, such a big deal, such a shameful thing, you know? And, and, and you know, the majority of that is gone. But even even in the report, I, you know, from what I can see, they try to suggest that a lot of that, a lot of the stigma around having a child, or a lot of the difficulty of having a child out of wedlock, was changed by the single mother allowance, nineteen seventy three. But that's that that completely disregards the shame, the, the you know the, the the way the 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 Catholic, the Catholic Church and the people, you know, the Catholics and made you know made people feel like they were doing something wrong by having sex, you know, not to mention the fact that. Abortion has only been made legal in the last couple of years, and obviously people get hung. You're, you know the the, the pro life argument, and I understand, but I didn't grow up in New York knowing anybody that had a child out of wedlock, and obviously that has a little bit to do with my class, perhaps the people that I was surrounded by. But once I moved to Ireland, within five years, I knew numerous stories of teenage women that had children. I didn't know any when I was growing up. That is is that a positive? Because all these pro life people seem to be be hoping for this fucking this 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 pure idealism, which this fucking report shits all over because it was nothing but a century of carnage. That's pro life. That's fucking anti human. That's what that is. It's anti human to to think that your pro life agenda is anything but the stuff that led to this. And in more modern times, where it's it's obviously not like that anymore that what drives you to feel such such shame around sex and and motherhood or a woman fucking having a right to make a choice for her own body is evil the fact that it makes you think that the lineage of that thinking comes from this fucking shit and i, I i'll take all the criticism for people that disagree with me on that but i think the lineage of that shit is the type of thinking that allowed this to happen not that long ago. Let's call a spade a spade. Not that long ago. And I can't speak to the horror of this stuff because I wasn't around at that time, but I can certainly speak to the fucking shame that women, particularly just a little bit older than me in Ireland, and even women my age felt. That shame. I saw that. It's fucking disgusting. It really is disgusting. And so when when they say in the report and the, the independent today is like a, a nation shame or something, when they say in the report that it's all of us, it's like, yeah, we understand 
that we were a part of that atmosphere. But what we as a society had, or Irish people as a society had that much power to create that much, that much pain, not a chance. It came from the powers that be and the unfortunate, you know, the unfortunate connection of, uh, you know, just the fact that Catholicism was so fucking wrapped up in Irish identity that it became such an integral part of of the Irish state at the creation of the Irish state in 1922. I mean, you know, just read about the history of Bessaborough House. That that alone will fucking shock you. So now, you know, and 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 I and I really feel that eventually, you know, today I was doing a Patreon and I was just I was thinking about this fucking. The toxicity that's left. How many generations does it take to clear the fucking shame and toxicity of what went down? Because we're now on the, you know, like whatever, the eighth or ninth report of the fucking pain of uh, how the church and the state let particularly vulnerable Irish people down. How long does it take for that stain to fade from our psyche, the wreckage of that generational pain, you know, and people have different opinions about whether that shit actually gets into your, you know, gets into your DNA or, or certainly metaphorically gets into your DNA. People have various opinions about that, but you know, you, you can't help but have hope for the, you know, the, 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 the powerful, confident women of, 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 you know, the Gen Z's, you know, and the fact that they have a voice and a place to complain and they're not content with what they see and they're going to fucking complain about it. You can't help but get, get hope, you know, and you can't help but be happy that it's not happening again. People are making arguments about direct provision. I'm actually going to save that for another episode because I want to get somebody on to talk directly about that. But so l- let me not get, get bogged down in that, but certainly in relation to what we're talking about directly here, the, the power of the church and, and, and the shame that it, it reaped on Irish women and then the abuse that it did on men and women in, 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 that were in the care of the state in their childhood, it's not happening like it was. And that obviously is going to help to, to stop that, that lineage, and, and that's positive. But I feel that. There's a part of it in all of us. Certainly in my generation, it's still there. I see people from the from the sort of not so, you know, from the lightly negative sense of like an increase of shame around sex or an inability to be open about sex to, uh, you know, obviously the, the, the homophobia and stuff that was just so rampant, you know, literally such a short time ago, you know, I saw all that start to fade from from my generation i can never i can't imagine i can't uh, you know know what it was like the pain for for homosexual people in ireland you know uh i but 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 uh, you know there has been great changes but i still think that it's really important to embrace all this stuff accept it as part of who we are so that it never happens again there's just been too long that den- denial happens. Not to mention too long that what is now a minority of people that still have a sort of conservative Catholic view still have this outsized voice in the Irish media. In my opinion, they abuse broadcasting laws that create this sense of we need you know e- uh, equal opinions. Uh, like I agree with that broadcasting law, but I don't agree 
that a, a minority opinion always deserves the exact same amount of airtime. It's a fault. It's, it, it, you know, because the, the truth is that there's just been so much denial for so long coming from conservative Catholic voices in the Irish media of what the church has done, and then certainly an underplaying of the seriousness of it, but yet so fucking vocal about any transgression that they think from what they call like the left or, you know, like people that are anti-Catholic. You know, that's like the media battle that that goes on, you know? So it's so important that times like this, it's almost unarguable. The, The tragedy of it. You know, and, and, and I, I, I think, please God, as Catherine Conley was saying, that there's a chance that there will be some real healing from this. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. You know, and maybe this generation or the generation after will be somewhat sort of they won't be the same sort of connection to irish shame that is like so much a part of the sort of collective irish understanding you know so just very quickly before we go and i you know i don't i don't think this story gives me any great connection to what we're what you're reading about more than it's just horrific anyway but and i think i may have told this story before but i'm just going to tell it again because I had a very strange coincidence happen to me the other day, which reminded me of all this. And I do talk a little bit about it in, in Mia Mama, but, you know, it just brings home the secrets that people had to keep and the, the, the energy that this shame can create. So my grandmother, Margaret O'Connor, was from... Uh, Glengariff, but really she was from the tunnel house between Banan and uh, Glengariff and the, the N71, the road to Kenmare from Glengariff. I, I, I feel like I've told this story before, but I'm sure some of you haven't heard it. But if you ever want to know where my grandmother was from, she's from literally the last field. If you're driving from Cork to Kerry on that road, the last field on the right, right before you get to the tunnel, which is the border between Cork and Kerry, there's just a few stones left of the foundation of her house, but there's any number of pictures online of the tunnel house, Glengariff. That was my grandmother's house. Her father was Patrick O'Connor, and uh, her mother died in childbirth with their with her youngest sister. Um, and, you know, uh, so... 
my grandmother had one brother and four sisters, I believe. So she had herself, Eileen, Joan, Bridget, and Maureen. Sorry, yeah. So she had four sisters. There's five and their brother, Neil. And um, if you talk to anybody in um, Glengarriff from that area that knows about the history of that time, there was a terrible priest there that goes down in infamy with his fire and brimstone language. And it's an all too familiar story uh, in Ireland of just you know the the feared uh you know the feared priest and this 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 brutal message from the catholic church anyway i didn't know anything about my grandmother's past growing up other than she was the loveliest lady she was from cork and you know she was really the the only proper example i knew of like affectionate love growing up as a child I did not know that she was a terrible alcoholic. I think I talked about that after my mom died. I did not know that my mother was raised in, you know, abject alcoholism. I found that out much, much later in life. And, you know, I also didn't know that it was known in the neighborhood that my grandmother was an alcoholic. And, uh, you know, it, it, when I found that out, it made me feel for my mother. I, I knew that well before, like long before my mom died. It was many chats with my mother and my aunt and what, you know, how difficult it was for them to, to deal with that. Um, and my, my parents, my mother, my, my mother's sister, they didn't know how my grandmother's father died they just knew that the grandmother had died of in childbirth and that as they were told their whole life their grandfather had died of a broken heart that's how my nanny would always tell the story uh my my grandmother your my mother died in childbirth and my father died of a broken heart and you know what you know so like so many irish families they grew up with this alcoholism, but they knew nothing of, of, of the pain of, my, of their own mother's life. And one day, I was doing a show in Cork, and I don't know if I knew my, grandfather, the, my great-grandfather's real story or not yet, but I was doing a show in the Opera House in Cork, and this woman came up to me, and she said that she was like, my mother's second cousin or something uh, from from down there, from Glengariff, or maybe she lived in Cork, but she was from originally from down there. And she said that she knew stuff about my family that maybe I didn't know. Now, at the time, she told the story as if it was my grandmother, only because she knew that uh, the woman who she was about to tell me about had emigrated to New York. But at the time she told me this was about my grandmother, but it turns out it was about my mother's aunt Maureen, who my mother knew all her life because she was also in New York. But she definitely did not know this story, which was that my great aunt Maureen had been raped. Now, I can't verify the rape part, but all I can say is that she was pregnant. And uh, I think the way the story was told to me 
I, my memory of the story being told to me was that, you know, it was from like one of the, they had this tunnel house on the road and it was from a lodger at the house and she was pregnant and she was forced into what I was told at the time was a magnet laundry. My understanding was it was in Clonakilty, but you know, I've looked into it and in Clonakilty there was an industrial school for women. Um, I don't know if she was sent to Bessaborough. I don't know where she was sent. I'm going to look into it now. But all I know is that she was sent into a, a, a home of some description, you know, like for, for pregnant women. And that uh, a year later, my mother's uncle, Neil, paid money to get her out of it. And that's how she ended up emigrating to the United States. I don't know the timeline of what happened next, but I do know as the, the story goes in folklore, uh, my great grandfather, Patrick O'Connor, uh, a, a widower, uh, trying to raise the, these six children was summoned by the, the priest, this horrific priest. And whatever was said, at that meeting, which was, by the way, in relation to the fact that his daughter was pregnant or was already in the... I don't know, but I know that it was in relation to what happened to my great-aunt Maureen, that my great-grandfather Patrick O'Connor was summoned by this horrific priest. And after this meeting, he went back to the house in Glengariff and he hanged himself. And I, he definitely hanged himself because I have the inquest into his hanging, uh, which was written about in a l- local paper, um, but you know, when I, when I originally found that out, I can't remember the, the, the timeline of it. I do believe that the original story, as it was told to me, was that he made sure that all the children were looked after, like as in uh, some of them went to Dublin Neil had gone to England and my grandmother and her sister Maureen had gone to New York. And then when they were all situated, he hanged himself. That's how I understood the story originally. But, uh, and, and my aunt tells me that my grandmother always lied about when she came to the States. My, so uh, my, my grandmother always told the story that she came to America three years earlier than she did. And basically it kind of adds up because in the inquest, I realized that they were all still there. My grandmother was in the house when he he hanged himself. I don't know if if Maureen was there. That's not clear from the inquest, but my grandmother gives evidence at the inquest, Margaret O'Connor, and uh, she talks about that she had been sick, that he checked in on her that night, and the following morning when Neil went to check on the father, he, he had hanged himself. And it's 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 terribly sad. Obviously, I mean, you know, how could you not? And there's a there's a sort of a you know, it, again, like I say about this feeling about this DNA, like if you feel like it's a part of you, you know. And obviously, modern conversations around taking your own life, you know, about mental health and you know everything. Like God knows what was going on for him, but also in terms of the shame and the 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 sense of, of the, the judgment that came from a, a woman getting pregnant at that time, you can imagine that it was an, it was, even if this thing of the priest's conversation driving him to suicide is not really true, you can imagine that it was one of the many things that 
was causing him enough mental anguish that he thought that this was the only solution with all his children in the house. I mean, it's really sad. But it's also so much a part of what this report is about. The wreckage that was reaped upon Irish people for so long with the shame that came from that institution. You know, so that's why I get a little annoyed when people get fucking bent out of shape about something so fucking unimportant like that stupid sketch, but yet they won't fucking pipe up when they see the real damage like this report. And it was weird because, you know, because of this report, the last, oh, so here's the coincidence of why I started thinking about this again. I have a friend, I won't name him. I've known him for years. I he, I originally met him through David O'Doherty, but he's just been around comedy circles for years, but he's a good buddy now, you know? And I, you know, we've, we, we've hung out together and Aiden used to do hot yoga with him. I've just known him for a long time, since 97, you know? And uh, out of the blue, he emails me and he tells me, he writes the whole story of my great-grandfather's journey and my, my, my grand, great-aunt or grand-aunt's uh, unwanted pregnancy and being sent to a laundry or a home. He sends me this whole story, word for, like, like he knows it all. Because it turns out that he's my third cousin once removed, that his mother has a direct connection to my great-grandfather, and we never knew. Now, third cousin once removed, it's not exactly like my closest cousin, but it's, it's not nothing, you know? It, it, it's not nothing, especially when you've been friends for so long, you know? And we had that conversation about the fact that nobody talked about it, and his mother never knew. How his mother found out was she was playing bridge with two women that were from down there, and they got talking about stories, and eventually they realized that, you know, who she was, and... They, th- these women told her the story of what happened to Patrick O'Connor. They even said, and that Patrick O'Connor is actually Des Bishop's great-grandfather, which is how she knew to say to Brian, do you know Des Bishop, don't you? He's actually related to us, and this is the story of his great-grandfather. How fucking crazy is that? You know, so that's what made me start to think about it. I, you know, And then it just was coincidental that literally a few days later, this mother and baby home report came out. And when I told her about this crazy coincidence of my friend turning out to be my third cousin once removed, my aunt told me that she had spent years trying to find out what happened to the, the baby at, uh, at, at, at wherever that my great aunt, her aunt had gone. But she could never find out because she didn't know exactly where she went. And I still don't know exactly where she went. But the story is that the baby died. That's the anecdote. The baby died. They never talked about it with my grandmother. She was dead before they knew any of this. You know, which is so unfortunate, really, when you think about it. So today, the front page of the examiner is all these names from Bessemer House. And the problem is, it's fucking O'Connor. There's so many O'Connors on there. But I was just looking at a few of the O'Connors in the 20s on this, on this, in this picture in the Irish examiner. And uh, I was wondering, is one of them my mother's first cousin? No, of course, I'm not trying to be dramatic. I'm not trying to overly connect myself to a story like people like to do. You know, I'm just pointing out that so many people in Ireland have not too many degrees of separation from this horror. 
and probably more than even realized because there's so much secrecy. Still to this day, there's so much secrecy. So much so that my friend's mom can find this out at a fucking bridge game. You know, close to a century later, the secrets that were kept. You know, it's so fucking dark, the secrecy. And it's been such a slow journey to lift the lid on it. You know, how long will it take to detoxify? This is what I was talking about on my Patreon. I got distracted earlier. Because I remember when I used to live on Rings End Road for a short time. And at the time, they were detoxifying the land around Grand Canal Dock to develop what became, as you know now, Grand Canal Dock and the Borgash Theater. That whole area at the time was being readied for development. But it took them years to detoxify what was formerly a gas site, gas works. Years to detoxify that land so it was healthy enough to build upon. People wouldn't get sick, you know? And I was thinking, it's not a bad metaphor for the fucking Irish psyche. How many generations will it take to fucking clear away the toxic wreckage of this shit? To to clear the fumes of the secrecy, you know? The toxicity of the shame. I mean, I hope not too long. But this is part of it. These reports are part of it. People owning up is part of it. People taking responsibility is part of it. People not being in denial about the power that the church had, the collusion between the church and state. And how, yes, that led to a society that enabled a lot of this stuff. But let's not pretend that that, that society is most at fault. Let's not fucking pretend that. That was That was cultivated. You know, sometimes it's easy to get records from fucking East German East German Stasi records than to get a fucking birth cert for your own life. You know, you hear people say something is Kafka-esque, but they don't really know what they're talking about. But God damn it, that's fucking Kafka-esque. You know, this metaphorical question of who am I? And in their situation, it's not metaphorical. It's like, I don't fucking know. That's sick. You know, and I, I, I got to thinking that, you know, I did that. Well, I didn't do Ancestry.com. My mother got my brother's spit, you know, and uh, there's, you know, like there's a lot of second cousins. I don't know who they are. Weird second cousins where you feel like, I feel like I know so many of my second cousins. There's so many in Ireland, but I have a lot of second cousins in the States, you know, and, and and not that many sources of where they can come from. And nobody knows who the fuck they are. You know, and sometimes I wonder, was that kid adopted out? But I have no idea. It's not like a big deal. But I think I'm going to go about finding out because this has made me think of it. And it's just fucked up. You know, I, I, I'm so close with my first cousins. And one of my mother's first cousins is fucking MIA. That's so tragic. And, and, and the tragedy of the fact that their mom, my, my grandmother, hid from all this shit for years with booze, man. Fucking father killed himself. And, the, you know, her sister was probably raped. And her nephew fucking disappeared, dead. That's a lot of fucking tragedy. Then sent to another country or going to another country for your survival as a teen. 
and you know, creating a new life for yourself. Yeah, you know, she succumbed to fucking, you know, she she hid in booze for decades. I can't imagine the fucking torture that was going on inside her. And by the way, I haven't even mentioned what my Aunt Maureen must have been going through because I, I didn't know her. I only know of her. That she must have lived her whole life thinking about that kid and what happened to her. And she never had kids. You know? Whether she could or not, I don't know. You know, I don't know any reason. I don't know anything about why she never had a child. But I got to think that if my if my my grandmother was so tortured i can't imagine how tortured she was you know so it, it it's 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 the sadness in in our family trees that uh i think a lot of us a lot of people can identify with and this stuff just reminds you of it i think really the National Irish Family Tree should be a weeping willow because there's so much fucking crying that goes on when you learn about your family's past. You know, and how common is that story? You know, how many fucking men went to England in the 50s and then, you know, just fucking checked out? You've seen those documentaries. How many people had to hide from the fucking torture of what was reaped upon Irish society for so long. Hiding from it doesn't fucking, you know, like hiding from it now that it's fucking staring us in the face doesn't help. You know, so that's the only reason why I bring that up. You know, I, I ha- we have to try to, our generation has to try to break the fucking chain. No, hopefully we're the ones that are lucky enough to have access to all this information. That we're not passing it on to our children, if I ever have them. But my friends, I mean, they're not. It's better. It's better. Society is better. So anyway, that's my thoughts on this. I don't really know if I even have a right to share, but I think we're all feeling something. So you might as well just express it. Educate yourself. I leave that up to you. But just express your feelings, you know. Um, so thanks, guys. Anyway, we're back. Uh, I, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna get Steve, and we're gonna talk about something that's not intense. Okay. Uh, we'll do that this weekend. I'm gonna put this up now. DM me at Des Bishop on Instagram, at Des Bishop on Twitter, and. Uh, you want to get involved in the conversation, that's fine. If you're angry, that's fine too. I know sometimes I can be like very brutal when it comes to criticism of the church. And I understand that might offend you. And I I, I appreciate people who disagreed with me about the Water for Whispers thing, but had like a, a calm conversation with me. There were other people that were very angry and that's fine too. But I'm not motivated enough to go and check if they're experiencing any outrage today. But... Um, but I appreciate uh, that conversation. Uh, I appreciate that I'm not always calm, but there are elements of, you know, you're on your own, so you're just free to just rant and rave. Uh, I hope you appreciate it. I appreciate you guys for listening. Um, I'm 
motivated to to delve a little deeper into uh to be honest with you i i you know i i i want to i was thinking about making a documentary about the the, the story of my great grandfather and then you know the my great aunt maureen and just trying to f- find out exactly what happened you know uh i guess a sort of a a, a glengariff tale or a you know a, there's there's a name on that pass it's gone out of my head for a sec but just the tale of that area and those tunnels because you'll go through those tunnels at some stage in your life and if you haven't you should because it's such a beautiful area but you know it's in there all this shit all the stories fucking dark irish stories in those fields let's just tell them you know the the pain of these things eventually it dies in the light of exposure so we keep exposing them. Anyway, I'm talking nonsense now. I'm sorry. I started to visualize where my grandmother was from, and I, I started just feeling shit because it's, it's such a unique landscape out there. So I'm sorry. See you a couple of days, guys. I'm going to get Steve. I'm going to fucking tidy. We're going get, to get some laughs going, okay? Chat soon. the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTER Exclusions apply. See site for details.